listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. I heard about four of you. So that's awesome. Uh, my buddy Ernie is back. Good to see you, buddy. Woo! Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, man, you guys having a good Sunday so far? You're starting it out right. You're in the house. You're, you're in the house of God, right? I mean, that's awesome. I'm gonna stop rambling now and jump into the message. I've been thinking, honestly, guys. I've been thinking a lot of, lately about how. So many things in my life that have truly blessed me, that have blessed my life, uh, I've received, but I did in no way deserve them. I, I, di- I didn't deserve them. Uh, I'm beyond grateful for these blessings, but at times I wrestle almost with guilt over them because I did nothing to earn them. And, uh, you know... I received them, but I did nothing to earn them. And and sometimes, honestly, I just don't know what to do with that. Because in our society, right, most things that are free come with strings attached. Does does anybody know what I'm saying? Like, things that are free in in our society come with strings attached. Yeah, sure, that, that, that game app for your iPhone is free. But to play the actual game, you have to watch a commercial about some guy who records himself playing video games all day and then posts them on YouTube and wants you to watch his channel. Like, to me, that makes the app not free. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm, lear- I, I'm earning the right to watch. I, I'm earning the right to play that game by watching these dumb commercials. And, 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 and there are strings attached, right? There are strings attached in it. But so many of the blessings in my life that truly matter weren't earned. They were given. They were given. And uh, the first one that comes to mind is, is, is my wife. And not just because this week was Valentine's Day last week. Um, but because no matter where I go, it's obvious to everyone around us that she is clearly out of my league. Right? <laughs> it's obvious. It's just obvious. Wherever we go, they, they just know that, right? And, and not only is she beautiful, but she's smart, too. Because before I met my wife, I had a seriously, seriously, like I'm not joking here. I had an amazing music and movie collection. But I had no food in the house, right? Like... I have learned so much and continue to learn every day from my wife, mostly because she has to keep teaching me the things that I forget that she's already taught me. But, you know, um, you know, like which one is a dish towel and which one is a hand towel? I can't get those straight. Any other guys in the room? Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. I feel better now. But... <laughs> But in all seriousness, my wife is a gift from God to me. And that gift was in no way earned because I don't deserve her. But for some crazy reason, she still chose me to spend the rest of her life with. And while she's rethought that decision a few times, um, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
But she is a blessing that I will never fully understand, but I am wildly grateful for. And, and I have so many more that I could share from you, from my, with, with you from my own life. But at this point, but, but the point is, rather, the blessings that truly matter are given and not earned. And, and I, I, if I had gotten what I deserved in every instance of my life, I don't know where I would be today. I don't know. Maybe in jail, maybe on the streets. Um, I, I don't know. I made some pretty bad decisions when I was young, and maybe some of you can relate to that. But thankfully, God covered me with his mercy and loved me even when I was his enemy. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that kind of gratefulness in your own life where you should have gotten what you deserved but God flipped the script on your life and had mercy on you. And, and, and that's why today we're starting a new sermon series called But God. And uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be taking some time to plumb the depths of these two life-transforming words and, and, and share some but God stories from within our own congregation and and the best place to start is at the beginning, and, and the beginning is Ephesians chapter 2, which is where this whole sermon series is built upon. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that's where we're going to spend the, the brunt of our time today. But if you don't know, I'll just give you a little background. The book of Ephesians is actually a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And, and Ephesus was a city under Roman rule in, in what is now modern-day Turkey, and um, and this city was fascinated with uh, magic and the occult, which is, which is why Paul wrote the letter the way that he did. And Paul, Paul is writing this letter to affirm God's authority and power over all and to encourage them to be resolute uh, in their allegiance to Christ as the supreme power of their lives, right? And Paul spends the first uh, spends time in the first section of this letter giving glory to God and, and lifting up prayer, prayers of thanksgiving for this church. And he concludes chapter 1 by reminding them that God has established Christ as the head of the church and that they are his fullness, and which if you think about is pretty incredible. The church is supposed to be the fullness of Christ. And Actually, that's kind of overwhelming if you think about it too long. And, and Paul must have sensed that, uh, that it might be to the Ephesians too because he continues on and reminds them of how this breathtaking truth came to be. And it wasn't earned. It was given, right? And we pick up today's scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but that scripture makes me excited. Like, I can't, I can't read that scripture without getting excited because it just affirms God's love and mercy and grace over each one of us. And because verse 1 puts it, puts it pretty clearly, it puts it pretty bluntly, uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And this single verse is important to take note of it. It reminds us of the hopelessness that was our inheritance through Adam and Eve. And we had no way to be in right standings with God again. We were stuck in a life cycle of sin. And God can't have sin in His presence because He is so holy. So we were dead. No way to live again with God on our own. Evil had entered our hearts and we couldn't get it out on our own. Verse 2 says, Because of our sin nature, we followed, we, followed the, we followed suit with the course of the fallen world. And then verse 2 says something kind of weird and bold and strange. It says, um, Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In this culture, the air was considered the lowest of the heavens and inhabited by spirits. And the prince of these spirits is Satan himself. And without a way for mankind to be in relationship with the Father, he was free to reign over us and charm us into living lives with total disregard to God. Sons of disobedience is a Hebrew-inspired phrase resembling um, the, one from, the one from Luke 16, sons of the world, which is in contrast to sons of light, uh, which is also in Luke 16. And meaning that we once belonged to the family that rebelled against the one true holy God. And verse 2 and 3 goes on to describe what being a son or daughter of disobedience looks like. And it, it, it says, The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, the action that Satan takes is the one that encourages us and convinces us that God helps those who help themselves. Which then leads us to carry out the desires of the body and mind. And I don't know about you, but in my life, the, the, sin, the desires of the body and mind, that cover, covers a lot of ground, sin-wise. And, but, but there is just one problem with this that... The whole, with the whole God helps those who help themselves concept is that it's, it's not from God. 
It's not from God. There's nowhere in his word that this concept is found. It's just a hoax from the enemy. So we will forget that God actually helps the helpless. Because on our own, left to our own devices, we are stuck. We are dead in our sin. Helpless and hopeless. Children of wrath. But the beginning of verse 4 begins with two of the most transformational words in the whole entire Bible. But God. But God. Just let those two words sink in for a moment. These two words should bring just like a sigh of relief to your spirit. Helpless and hopeless, but God. Desperate and dejected, but God. Dead in our sin and trespasses, but God. Verse 4 and 5 read, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For no other reason than he has a great love for us and he is full of mercy did God not leave us out on our own. We were helping ourselves, right? But because God loved us and is merciful, he saw us as helpless. Even when we were acting as his enemy. And that is why he sent his son, Jesus. Remembering this whole set of scriptures in verse 1 started out with, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But in verse 5, it revisits those same words, but this time with a magnificent twist. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead after bearing our sin and shame on the cross, not only was he resurrected in body and spirit, but so was our hope in God. We were made alive together with Christ and given the opportunity to receive regeneration, to become a new creation, no longer a son of Adam, but a child of God, the way we were intended And this isn't something we could have ever earned on our own. This was given to us by our Father who is rich in mercy and has a great love for us. And all those uh, who have faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, God has in verse 6 and 7, raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why did God do all of this for us? Why has God even now allowed those who believe to share a measure of the authority that is in Christ Jesus? And even now seated us with him at the right hand of the Father. Why has He lavished His love and mercy on us? You guys are kind of quiet. You there? I'm asking you questions here. 
<laughs> it's so that we will marvel for all eternity the kindness and goodness of our God. Right? And those two things we will never reach the depths of. And Paul reminds us one more time that this is a gift that we could never earn in verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Does that bless anybody in the room? I mean, it blesses me. It blesses me. That makes me excited. And not result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them, right? A a free gift of God that is not achieved by any works. Once we have accepted and begun to live out this grace, we have been given, our lives can't help but change in wonderful ways. Because through, though we were once dead, we have been resurrected with Christ and we have become a new creation in Him. And part of the overflow of this new creation life will be good works. So don't get it confused. The good works are not the res- The good works are, rather, the result of God's grace in our lives, not the cause of the grace. If good works were the cause of grace, we could, that would mean we could earn it. And the Bible makes it clear that we could never, could never. It's a free gift from our Creator who loves us so deeply that He didn't give up on us even when we were His enemy. Because of those two words, but God, everything changed. Everything. Next week, we're going to hear from one of our own mission families and the transformation that has taken place in their lives through, through the Father's free gift of grace. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you do not want to miss that because it is going to be powerful. And many of us have these but God stories in our lives, Uh, but few as powerful as the woman caught in adultery in the book of John chapter 8. Early in the morning, Jesus is is, is teaching a group of people, and I'm just going to invite the worship team to come on back up. Jesus is teaching a group of people in the temple, and the Jewish religious leaders drag this woman in before the whole group. The scripture tells us that she had been caught in the act of adultery, which I would assume means that she was covered with a sheet or a blanket, but still very exposed and totally humiliated. The Pharisees say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commands us to stone her. But what do you say, Jesus? And the leaders were trying to catch Jesus between a rock and a hard place because if he says no, don't stone her, He goes against the law of Moses. 
but if he says yes, stone her, he would be going against Roman rule because the, the law had forbidden anyone's execution without the governor's permission. And the Jewish religious leaders were trying to catch Jesus saying something that they could use against him. And here is this woman, totally humiliated and being used as a pawn to trap Jesus. It's funny in a not very funny way that her partner in adultery is never mentioned because if she was caught in the act, I would assume there was a man involved somewhere. And the law of Moses applied to men as well. That gives us some insight into the hearts of the Pharisees, where they were at. This wasn't about the woman. This was about trapping Jesus. But for Jesus, it was all about the woman. As the religious leaders make their accusations against this woman, Jesus simply bends down to the ground and and begins to write in the sand. And I don't know what he was writing Um, some believe that he was writing the sins of all the religious leaders. Some others believe that he was writing part of the Ten Commandments. But truthfully, no one knows. And the, the Pharisees continue to press Jesus for an answer. And if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes for the rest of, of, of this story. In verse 7, they're pressing Jesus for an answer. And verse 7 says, As they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and started writing in the sand. Jesus is looking at the ground. The woman with her eyes closed, I'm sure, bracing herself for stones to start flying, all of the sudden, they begin to hear it. Stones starting to hit the ground. One by one, the sound of stones hitting the ground. Pretty sure, pretty soon... It was quiet, still, and the only sound was the sound of Jesus' finger writing in the sand. They were alone. And in verse 10, Jesus stands up and he says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Well, that's a but God story if I've ever heard one. This woman was caught in the act, guilty. In no way did she deserve grace. And whether we were were aware of it or not, we've all been that woman. Our sin may have not been adultery, but see, that's the thing about sin. It doesn't discriminate. There isn't a worst sin. Sin is sin. 
no matter what variety it is. My sin may have different repercussions in my life than yours, but all of us have been found guilty because Romans 3.23 says clearly, for all have fallen, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. Are you ready for some good news? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Let's pray. Father, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you see us not as we think we are, but as we are. Father, thank you that you see the depths of us and you love us. Father, I am not worthy of your grace. I don't deserve it. And yet you give it anyway. I'll never understand. But I'm so grateful. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe you're in the middle of your own but God story right now. Maybe you're on the cusp of it. Maybe you can relate to that that woman who, with her eyes closed, is just expecting stones to fly. With every just head bowed and eyes closed, if, if that's you, if you're the woman in this story right now, would you just slip up your hand and put it back down? I see you. Yep, I see you. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that your grace and mercy is new every single day. If that's you, I just want you to pray this, this prayer with me. And I want you to begin your own but God story today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. This very instant. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins 
my self-centeredness in every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as Lord and Savior. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life. And help me to become a person who is truly loving. A person like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.